This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Okay, hello and welcome to the Blueprint Review Podcast. Wow, it has been a long time for those three people that listened the last three or four years ago was the last time we actually did an episode. But yeah, we're back. I kind of had a random decision to resurrect the podcast, but I, I wanted to kind of do it in a different vein because in the past, the podcast was kind of quite separate from the, the site. It was The podcast was more focused on cinema releases and just general kind of ramble around big new films and things like that. But because the website is so primarily focused on home entertainment releases, on especially Blu-rays these days, um, I thought, why not bring the podcast back but keep it more in line with the usual usual stuff that we talk about on the website and some of our writers agreed uh, tonight we've got andy goulding hello hello and we have uh, mr justin richards hi so yeah and so we have a, a small trio tonight we might um if if, if, if all goes well we'll um, and we record many more episodes uh, we're i'm hoping to bring some more writers in so um we can kind of mix it up a bit uh, but yeah we've got uh, stuck with us three tonight <laughs> but i think uh, i think it's a good trio we're all writers who contribute a fair amount to the site, I think it's fair to say, and we've, we've all been involved for a while, so I think it's a, it's a good team to start with. Good stuff. I, mean, I guess uh, if we want to introduce, introduce ourselves a little bit, I mean, I'm David, I'm the Blueprint Review editor. If, if This is more for people who've never listened to the podcast before and didn't hear me ramble on. And uh, yeah, I've been running the site for, oh, I don't know, I think it's getting close to eight years, but I might be wrong. I haven't actually prepared anyone for this, so everyone's going to be in the background going, oh, God damn you, David. But yeah, do you guys want to say anything about yourself, about what brought you to Blueprint Review, Andy? Um, I think I'm trying to remember when I when I actually joined Blueprint Review. That was, it was a good uh, six or seven years ago, is it? And I think I, I came to it through a, a mutual friend of ours. I sent you some reviews and uh, yeah. and yeah, never looked back from there. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds about right. And Justin, how about yourself? Uh, well, obviously, I, I have known you for quite I a long think time. I was the third person to join, wasn't I? I think it was you and Darren, and then me, because I think I've got the third um, sort of password. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think you might be right. I think you got you on there uh, very early on. Yeah. Excellent. So uh, I've been I've been uh, bothering you for the last uh, I don't know seven or eight years, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Justin, have you done many podcasts before? I know Andy's got um, uh, Andy posts the spoiler review podcast, which uh, hopefully you've all been listening to on the website. But have you done much yourself? Um, well, I used to do um, Odd IT, where for when I used to work at BCS, if you recall, um, yes, yeah. which was talking about sort of modern technology and weird uh, IT stories from around the world. Um, but on a film basis, I guess the focus I've come to doing a film podcast was when I used to um, help um, uh, a friend of mine, um, Mark Levera, do a, a radio show called uh, Movies and Music. Uh, in fact, I think we had you on. As yeah, a guest. I was, was going to say yes. I did. I did. I did guest on the show. It was good fun. I remember that. And that was for uh, Bristol um, local radio. So it was uh, uh, Bristol FM, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I did that for about a year and a half um, every week. Cool, excellent. 
And how about the spoiler? What, what are the plans for spoiler? I think I saw on Facebook there's some there's something in the pipeline. Yeah, we're we're working on the, on the. Uh, I think it's the. I can't remember if it's the seventh or eighth series at the minute, right. but we've got we've got two of them uh, done already. One on singing in the rain, and one on hand of the Baskervilles, the book. Um, and then we we've got an upcoming recording in July for uh, one on. Uh, one on Bohemian Rhapsody, okay. which I still haven't seen yet. So. <laughs> cool, cool. So excellent, something to look forward to there. Fantastic. Cool. Well, I shall move on with our, our planned proceedings after suddenly throwing that on everybody. Um, <laughs> I think, and I thought we'd chat a little bit about um, any film trailers that we've seen. And also, if anyone knows of any uh, interesting film news they've heard, to be honest, I couldn't really think of. The, the, I can't think of any big headlines that have, I, I desperately wanted to talk about. So I haven't really got any news items. I don't know if anyone else does, but um, I've watched a couple of trailers. Uh, but I'll, I'll let someone else start because I haven't watched a lot. I've been um, been a week on the trailers and news front. But I think Andy, you said you'd done a, written a few notes. Yeah, yeah. I spent yesterday morning watching a, a load of trailers. Uh, I- Generally, I tend to avoid trailers because, despite the, the title of the other the other podcast I work on, I uh, I don't really like spoilers. <laughs> but uh, but I, I watched a load. I watched a load the other day. Uh, the big one at the minute uh, for me is, which is the, probably the big one for most people, is Toy Story Four, which yeah. I haven't seen any trailers for or anything. And I think, like a lot of of fans of the Toy Story franchise i was a bit kind of concerned about hmm. uh but i watched i watched the two official trailers and i think it looks really good uh, i does. was really sorry yeah i was, I was just gonna agree really i was just gonna say yeah it does yeah. um i think um and, and it's 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 actually out now isn't it i think uh, there have been at least it isn't in the u.s and uh the the reviews have been pretty positive, so it's. Uh, yeah, it's, it's last I saw it was hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So wow, very ready. positive. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be the last one uh, because um, they interviewed that Tom the Hanks. Uh, Tom Hanks on um, the Graham Norton show uh, on Friday night. Yeah, and he seemed to indicate it was going to be the last one that they were going to do. Well, I'm uh, sure they said that the last time, so we'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, uh, but there was a lot of debate about a uh, one of the, a new character, which is actually a plastic spoon slash fork, a spork, a, 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 a spork <laughs> as I think they call it. Um, but I think um, it's uh, basically a plastic uh, fork with um, pipe cleaner arms and legs attached to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm hoping to watch it uh, next week. It's my birthday next week, and I'm hoping to take the the kids along. Um, I'm hoping I can talk them into it. My girls, funnily enough, um, I, I, I've got two young kids now, and I, I show them as many kind of Disney films as I possibly can because I, because I get to see them again too. Um, and uh, but I must admit, the Toy Story ones have never ones. They're not huge Toy Story fans, which always surprised. It seems to be so popular, and I, I always loved it. Um, they, I mean, they liked the first one and the second one, but they, they weren't like crazy about it. And, and the third one, they just found a bit too scary. And it does go to some quite dark places towards the end. Um, so they weren't that excited about the fourth one, but I think I think they've I think they are going to be up for it because um, they, I think some of their friends in school have talked about it, and and we we brought home like a uh, from from work and Anna, Anna and my wife brought home a um, Toy Story four 
drinks bottle that Ayla uses and uh, that both girls use and uh, I think I'm starting to get them excited about it so hopefully next week <laughs> I'll have seen it uh, well, will they, will, will they have a choice of whether they go or not? I think, <laughs> I think it's more... Uh, I think it's... The, the thing with taking the girls to the cinema is, although, yes, I can, I can take them to whatever I want, the problem is, is if you want them to actually stay there and not have a giant paddy when they sat down and say, oh, I don't want to watch this, then you kind of need to pick something they're interested in. So <laughs> I, I'm not too... Uh, I don't just drag them along to anything else because uh, <laughs> it, it just wouldn't work. <laughs> I like the way you said that you you said, oh, it's my birthday next week and I'm going to see Toy Story 4. No, <laughs> like an afterthought, it was like, yeah, I suppose the girls can come along as well. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sounds about right. <laughs> cool. but um, Your card's in the post, mate. <laughs> just... Oh, Justin, uh, did, you, did you see any trailers in preparation of this? Or have you got any news? That uh, I was just taking a look at some of the, uh, the potential releases of stuff we were going to maybe be sent to review. There was mm. Escape Plan 3, the uh, latest in the uh, Sly Stallone um, uh, films about a guy who's an expert at uh, breaking out of prisons. Um, that looks quite entertaining. Um in a sort of uh, low low rent sort of way. Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm still a bit of a fan of um, sort of Sly Stallone and to us, um, Arnie sort of movies. I, I still haven't got around to the first one. I, um, I've heard it was okay, not amazing, but like um, I was intrigued by the pairing, but um, I never got around to it. Did, did you actually have you seen? I didn't. I, I forgot completely. There was a second one. What um, have you seen them? I've seen the first one, which I thought was quite good. Yeah. Um, but the second one I haven't seen, but I've, I, a few other people who have seen it, including um, Andrew Skeets, one of our reviewers, yeah. uh, said it was uh, not, not anywhere near as good as the first one. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping this one might be a return to form and be as good as the first one. There's no no Schwart Arnie in this one, is there? I don't think he was in the second one either, was he? No, it, it's basically Dave Bautista. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's Curtis Jackson, i.e. 50 Cent's. And um, uh, we've got Max Zhang, uh, the Chinese actor who's a martial artist. Um, it's, it's basically directed by John Hertzfeld, uh, who did Two Days in the Valley. Oh, yeah. Cool. I like that. No, it, it does sound quite good. It's basically based in Latvia. He has to get to uh, rescue uh, a kidnapped daughter from a, um, a Latvian jail. So that's, that's the story. So that, that's uh, that's out on the well, it's out this month, but uh, um, we haven't. Uh, no, actually, sorry, fifth of July it's out. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I um, I think I'm going to talk, or I might spark some controversial debate here because I think Andy might have a very opposite opinion to me on this. <laughs> but um, I actually saw the "Sorry We Missed You" trailer um, uh, today because I thought oh, all all I've seen is loads of like. Um, low rent kids movie trailers recently <laughs> I can't be bothered to talk about but um, so I thought oh, I better watch something a bit classier and uh, yeah the Sorry Mercy trailer which is uh, Ken Loach's latest, latest film and the caveat to this and this is what might <laughs> rub Andy up the wrong way is I'm, I'm not a massive fan of his last film in fact I'm not I'm, I'm really hit and miss with the director in general I adore Kez I think it's incredible but a lot of his latest stuff I, d I don't get into I just and and this is kind of one of the things I had with I Daniel Blake. There are moments in I Daniel Blake I thought were incredible. Like there's the um, uh, the food bank scene was just yeah 
devastating. But a lot of the rest of it, it kind of it does too much of the things that I don't like about later Ken Loach. It just feels very heavy handed. It kind of like his message is very bluntly told, and 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 there's there's never really another side to it. It's very it's very it's very one sided, which is another way of saying that. But um, so I wasn't a mass. I was they were, as I say they were. I, I wanted to like it. and I liked a lot of it, but overall, I kind of by the end I was a bit like. Ugh. And there were just a few steps too far towards the end. But anyway, that's that film. <laughs> I'm going off on about a different film. But <laughs> but I kind of had that baggage when I went to watch the Sorry Missy trailer. And I really didn't get into the Sorry Missy trailer. I think the problem is with that is it's because it's a trailer, it takes Ken Leach's film and it obviously it's trying to tell you the story, but also kind of deliver the, deliver the message through the trailer. And by doing that, it makes it even more blunt than I might find the film. And it made it, I really didn't like it because it was just kind of all these kind of, just kind of, I don't know, uh, ludicrously, um, oh, what's the phrase? Kind of banging the nail on the head every time, sort of. And I don't know, it just felt really cheesy in trailer form. I think, obviously, as a film, I'm sure it's a lot better. Um, and I'm sure that it will have more subtleties in, in there. But on the trailer, it was just like hammering everything home so much. It just felt almost like a parody of Ken Loach. And, and I don't know, I just thought it was quite a bad trailer. Well, well the summary on IMDb uh, for the film is a hard-up delivery driver and his wife struggled to get by in modern-day England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably so quite good yeah, it's, it's, it's basically just a massive attack on zero-hours contracts. That's the thing. I mean, it's difficult to moan about his films because... The messages he he makes are important ones, and and he's usually right and kind of siding with the side that he takes. But I just I don't know. I I prefer my dramas kind of. I'm a bit weird. It's like I, I'm quite um, peculiar in my film taste because on one side I love things I love over the top stuff, especially when it comes to action things that like martial arts movies and stuff are my kind of guilty pleasure. I like them big, over the top, and and ridiculous. But when it comes to drama, I like it as minimal as possible. I kind of I, I tend to lean towards some of the uh, Ozu and stuff like that, where there's not really much happens at all, but you kind of you're given that time to digest what's happening, and um, and it's all about the um, I don't know, it's all about the subtleties of the relationships and things. Whereas I struggle with something more like Ken Loach, where it's a bit bigger and he's kind of hitting these kind of big messages, and I don't know, I, it, it might just be me, but. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to rush out to see this. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny you, you brought that up actually, David, because uh, when I was watching trailers the other day, I saw that trailer on there, mm. and immediately I thought of uh, how different our opinions were on our family. <laughs> I thought I won't watch that trailer because then I'll bring it up on the show, and it will be bad <laughs> between us immediately and our first time together. <laughs> screw everything up. But you know, seeing as you've you've come in with it <laughs> <laughs> like yeah let's shake it up uh, but yeah i haven't i haven't watched the trailer and uh, uh and i'm sort of looking forward to it but i, I am a, a bit like you with ken Lake. i'm up and down with it and like mm. you i love kez and i loved our daniel blake and the ones that i've seen between that uh there's some there's some good ones and there's some side ones but i i feel kind of the same way he's he's not not necessarily the most subtle director and that's not always what he's trying to do but it's yeah. uh and that's what i think i was kind of with i daniel blake it's a, a thing that i 
felt strongly about. So I just yeah. sort of was happy to sit there and, and go, yeah, I'll go along with this whole diatribe because <laughs> it matches what I feel. Uh, but like you say, it's not it's not always enough. And obviously it's not always... Uh, I mean, I watch some, some films that have a very kind of uh, conservative approach and a, a sort of sort of an ideology which isn't in line with mine it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm not going to enjoy them no. in the same way that if you watch something where you agree with everything it doesn't necessarily mean you are going to so no. uh, so yeah i'm not uh, i'm not sure how i feel how i feel about the new film because obviously i haven't i haven't seen the trailer but it does strike me that i was a bit concerned that is it going to be a bit too similar to my daniel blake is it just going to ride that wave of of the reaction to that, yeah, it it does feel it does feel like a quite a similar film, kind of a slightly different topic, but it's not it's not obviously totally unrelated. So um, yeah, it did feel very similar. And I think um, some of the feedback in Can it has been mixed. Some people really liked it, but there's quite a few few people that are kind of saying oh, it's just him kind of treading water, and that's kind of what the feeling I got from the trailer. But I don't know. It's one of those films that, as I say, I probably wouldn't rush out to see it, but I'd still be intrigued. I think, as I say, the memories of Kez and some of his other other work kind of are still there. So I'd, yeah. I'd probably give it a try, but we'll see. Wait wait and see. Coming off the back of uh, what you just said about drama and like uh, like in dramas, how you, you like very, like not much to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one trailer that I watched was uh, The Dead Don't Die, which is oh, yeah. the new Jim Jarmusch film. And I'm not sure I feel about that because I'm a massive Jim Jarmusch fan, mm. uh, and I like the films that are best of his tend to be like the very kind of low key ones. Very like like yeah. for instance, I I love Patterson far more yeah. than I like to Only Lovers Left Alive, which was a bit more high concept. But oh, I'm with you there, definitely. Didn't work as well, and so this this one seems a bit more. I mean, it's a it's a zombie film, and from from the trailer, I didn't. It's got a great cast, and it, it looks like it'd be solidly entertaining, but it didn't feel like it was doing anything that would excite me. If that, if the name Jim Jarmusch wasn't attached to it, and I saw that trailer, I think I'll probably watch that when it comes around on TV. But I'm not going to rush out to see it. Well, the, the reviews have been not have been pretty poor for it. Actually, it's it has oh, been quite badly received. So um, yeah, it's it, I think I think. Because I kind of agreed with it because I saw the trailer just before it got released, and I was I was I felt the same as you. It didn't quite like I said I wanted to like it because the cast is amazing, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't quite working. But it sounds like it doesn't. I think it's, it's had, yeah, it's been quite badly badly received. So yeah, probably one probably one to avoid. Unfortunately, as I say, a waste of a great cast by the sounds of things. You never know. Some people have liked it, but hmm. possibly not. Cool. Well. I'm aware. We were talking earlier about well, will 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 we ramble? Um, we're, we're, we've taken quite a long time just talking about trailers, so I think if we move on, uh, and as I say, the idea now with the kind of resurrected podcast, um, Blueprint Review Point Two or whatever, we're going to um, focus more on the home ent- entertainment releases. So what I thought we'd do is kind of we each pick um, something that we've watched over the last month, and uh, it's. It might seem slightly pointless to to very um, ardent blueprint review readers because we've already written up some of these reviews, but I think talking about it can be different. I think having that conversation and kind of getting some different opinions uh, can be helpful. So what we're going to do, we're both going to kind of pick 
I don't know if it's necessarily going to be our release of the month because it might be interesting to review some some that we don't like. Um, but personally, I, I I might start and I'm going to pick a film uh, that really stood out to me this month, um, and that was Scum, uh, Alan Clark's film from 1979. I should bring up the details. So I'm not getting all these wrong. Um, which has been released by Indicator on a special edition Blu-ray with it comes with a giant kind of thick book and uh, fancy packaging and all this kind of jazz and um, yeah I watched and reviewed that this month and it was actually it was I'll give some background about the film first actually it was uh, for those of you who don't know it originally started life as a it was made as a made for TV film or they called them um, television plays uh, in in the UK, they didn't like to call them films. They liked to distance them, distance themselves from cinema, um, the BBC. But yeah, they basically they, Alan Clark uh, made this TV play, and it got it got banned. It never got screened um, in the UK. Well, it, not back in the late seventies anyway. It didn't get screened. It got shelved. Uh, but some people managed to see the film. They they screened it in some special screenings. And people saw it and they were absolutely blown away by it. They said it was amazing. Um, so Clark was approached to with the idea of turning it into a film. And he jumped on that. And two years later, they actually they reshot the whole thing because they weren't allowed to just take the footage and just release it in cinemas. They had to redo the whole thing from scratch, which must have been a giant pain in the ass. But they, um, but yeah, they, they reshot it. There's a very There are slight changes in cast. I mean, obviously a lot of the very minor cast have probably changed, but... Most notably, uh, the character of Archer uh, changed actors. Um, I'm trying to get the details up, but my, but my internet seems to have gone on my phone. Um, but yeah, they, 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 so they changed uh, changed the cast a little, but largely it was kept the same. And the script the script was changed dramatically at first when they started moving into pre production. Um, but when the original, because a different writer came on board, but when the original writer was horrified by it, he saw this new script and was horrified by it, he kind of angrily approached Alan, Alan Clark and they came to an agreement and he the original writer rewrote it and they they brought it back in line to what the original film was like and um yeah so but so they made the film a remake of the original and that came out and it was very well, well received and the film itself it's it's all set in a uh, Borstal in England which is a uh, Borstal for those who don't know is it's like a it's basically like a prison for young people, um, really, kind of, who aren't old enough to go to prison. They go to these kind of institutions. Uh, but they were just like prisons. Uh, it wasn't like a kind of reform wasn't really on the menu back then, or they, they didn't do really, they didn't really try and reform them as best they could. They just, according, well, if the film is anything to go by anyway, it's just, they just treat them like animals and, and they kind of provoke them to fight each other. And um, so the film sees Ray Winston's character a very young Ray Winston, which is really strange to see. And uh, he he's a new inmate here, but he's got a bad reputation for, he he was he was one of the daddies, as they call them, which is like the boss of the prisoners um, in his former prison before he came here. And um, so this reputation precedes him, uh, and not to, to the guards as well as to the inmates. So the guards instantly kind of, because, because he beat up a guard in the previous prisoner, the guards are recently instantly like beating him up and giving him a hard time but equally the kind of the daddy of this new um bossel that he's gone to obviously sees this hard guy hard case come in he's like he doesn't want him stepping on his turf or whatever so he he gives him trouble as well and so part of the story is kind of ray winston 
eventually becoming the daddy himself kind of about halfway through um, but also you follow the stories of some of the other uh, inmates and it's and the, and it just kind of goes on from there I don't want to spoil everything and it's just it's it's such a bleak and tough and brutal film um, it, it just it really really hit me it was it was actually the the final well not the very final but the climactic scene was so devastating and so powerful I, I don't want to say what happened but it, it it really messed me up like I struggled to sleep that night because it was just etched in my mind it was it's deeply deeply disturbing and uh, I just thought it was fantastic it's it, the, the style that Alan Clark utilizes it's very cold his camera keeps either very steady or if it moves it's kind of quite uh, smooth I don't think they use steady cams they didn't have the money but a lot of dollies and tracks are just very good handheld work and uh, and it gives it and this cold look and this kind of static camera it kind of accentuates the kind of institutionalized situation that they're in and it's uh, it just makes it ever more powerful whereas I think these days a lot of if, if something's trying to be gritty and edgy it'd be all handheld and a bit cameras shaking around and everything's intense whereas this holds shots hot shots are held for a long time there's a lot of long takes and long conversations and things and, and when the violence comes it's it's often very short and sharp and just brutal um other than a couple of scenes which are like giant riots which are a bit different and the, the film was just immensely powerful it really 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 was i mean uh, you could argue like i said with um ken loach's films that uh his message is blatantly clear after moaning about that with again Loach. But um, I don't know that I just found the film so powerful. I didn't mind there, there are, there are, there's a scene where there's one character, the Archer character where he openly like debates the prison system with one of the guards. And, and that was a bit on the nose. It's probably the only kind of complaint I have about the film, but at the same time, that scene's so well done. Um, it's, it almost reminded me of uh, the famous scene in hunger where there's a, like an almost 15 minute conversation uh, with the camera not moving. And, uh, there is a bit of a cut later on in this scene, but still it's l largely pretty static and just two people kind of discussing something in detail. It's very intelligent and thought-provoking and brilliantly acted. And um, yeah, it's just, it, I just, it just blew me away. Um, but yeah, have, you, have either of you guys seen it? Surprisingly, I've never seen it. Ah. It's, uh, it's been, one of these films that's always been kind of on my radar and I kind of, uh, I lump it in with... The, kind of a TV drama from from that era, British TV drama, which mm. is something that I'm really into. It's uh, all like the, the early sort of TV films of Mike Lee and uh, and uh, things like Made in Britain and yeah. that, that kind of thing, uh, which which I love. I've, I've always kind of grouped it in my head with that. So I don't know why. I, th I think it's just one of those films that, I think uh, like I say, I knew it was going to be so bleak and hard-hitting that you, you put it off for... Made in Britain is actually made by Alan Clark. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that is now Alan Clark. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. He, he made it about three years after he did the initial scum. Yeah. Um, did... So, uh, yeah, it came after scum. Have you seen I... The Firm as well? That's one of the few. Have I actually not... All I've seen is scum, The Firm, and um, there's one film packaged with The Firm, uh, Elephant, which I've seen. And um, so I've not seen a lot, but I need to see more. Cause, I mean, they're not easy watchers. So I don't know if you've seen The Firm. That's brutal as well. Um, but they're they're so good. They're so well yeah. done. Uh, sorry. Sorry. No, I, sorry. I agree with what you say, Dave. Uh, Scum is a, an excellent film, um, and it is quite disturbing. Although 
Uh, it must be said at this point that Dave is, uh, gets nightmares from watching Peppa Pig. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be a little bit softer on you. What I might add, actually, is um, I, I guess talking about a Blu-ray release, I should really talk about what else is on there. It's, um, it's I mean, Indicator really, they came, they, they just appeared a year or two years ago, maybe not long ago. They've not been around that long. Just a few a couple of years. And um, straight out the gate, they were delivering releases that looked amazing, sound amazing, and just cramming them with features. And uh, this is this is no different, really. It looks immaculate. And um, it's got a ridiculous number of interviews added on there, as well as there's a commentary with Ray Winston and ooh, I can't remember who else. I think it's like a mediator, like a journalist or something. Uh, and uh, they're all very good. The only thing I might find, I might say about the features here is because it's separated into lots of separate interviews, there's quite a bit of crossover. Like they, they kind of repeat themselves a little bit. So I kind of got the feeling it would be nice to have turned it into like a hour and a half long documentary or something instead. Um, but you, you can't really argue. There's so much material there. And also what Indicator are very good at, um, similar to Eureka, is they, they include a booklet uh, with the film. And the booklet here is longer than usual. I think it's twice as long as it usually is. And it's really, really good, uh, as they often are. Um, I think too often people kind of ignore them and just kind of watch your interviews and things. But they, the books, especially this one, there's a lot of information kind of about the how the film came about it details about why the original was banned and kind of its reception and things and um there's interviews with all sorts of uh contributors and kind of critics and and also um people who are involved in the film and it's uh it's 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 a cracking read it's uh it's very very good yeah cool but i think that's it on scum unless anyone else has anything else to say um, it was it was good that uh, Andy mentioned Made in Britain, which is another excellent uh, Alan Clark TV movie with Tim Roth. Um, that is worth watching as well. Yeah, cool. Uh, what have you seen, Jim? Uh, Justin? I was called you Jim. No. <laughs> um, well, um, I was going to just say that I'm currently um, uh, making my way through uh, American Gods season two, uh, which uh, is a TV series based on uh, the book by Neil Gaiman. Um, who's uh, obviously been involved with a lot of uh, top uh, class productions over the years. I mean, he was responsible for the Sandman comics and uh, the uh, Good Omens book, which um, I think he co-wrote with Terry Pratchett uh, a number of years ago. And that's just been given its own mini-series, which I think is on Netflix. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, isn't it? Uh, because there's, uh, there's just been that thing of the uh, the Christian groups who petitioned... Oh, yeah. And, and they went to the wrong. They went to Netflix to demand that they removed it, and it's actually on Amazon Prime. I think I think you've unveiled yourself, Justin. That must have been you. Are you a member of their religious group? Have you been trying to ban Good Omens? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm afraid I, uh, I I do actually own the book, but I haven't read it yet. Um, but um, American Gods, I, I saw the first series, and that's why when uh, the opportunity came to watch uh, the second series, I was quite interested because it is quite an interesting and uh, amazingly well shot um, series um, starring um, uh, Ricky Whittle um, as uh, a guy called Shadow Moon who's an ex-con who um, meets a guy called Mr. Wednesday who's played by Ian McShane who turns out to be um, one of these old ancient mythological gods. I won't spoil it by saying which one. But anyway, uh, it effectively involves the old gods uh, feeling like they're being pushed out um, by the new gods. So 
the old gods might include um, uh, gods from the Greek and uh, Roman myths, um, whereas the new gods um, are gods from technology and how we live our lives today. Um, and obviously, the new gods are pushing out the new old gods, so a war is brewing. And uh, Shadow Moon, this character, um, he's kind of sucked into this, so he's the eyes and ears of the audience, the introduction to this weird and wonderful um, uh, cryptic world, um, which we're, we're guided around by him. So it's, it's quite an interesting series, and it's very well shot, very well acted, and there's some, uh, a great soundtrack as well by um, uh, Danny Bensai and uh, Sonda Durians. Um, and uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I haven't quite got to the end of series two yet, but it's as good as series one. Um, a little bit, at times it's a little bit um, too cryptic for its own good, um, but there's a lot of layers to it. And uh, if you can be a bit patient with some of the, um, the uh, bizarre dialogue and strange characters, it's well worth sticking with. Cool. I must have not, I've not seen it, so I can't I can't really comment. Did you say you've not read the book? I was, I was wondering if um, now it's if it's moved on to a second series, if it's moved away from the book. So if it's well, well, the book is quite thick, okay. so um, I would imagine that they probably borrowed some of the information from the, the book for the first series, and they're probably finishing off what yeah. was in a, for the second series. But I, I would imagine if it's popular, it would be. Um, uh, um, commissioned for a third series um, yeah. if it's popular enough. Cool. Have you seen it, Andy Tall? Uh, no, I haven't. No, I've, I've seen it uh, when I was sort of going going through Amazon Prime one day and thought, oh, looks quite interesting. But there's there's so much good TV now to, yeah. to get through that uh, I just haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, I'm way behind on TV. I think the the only I think Game of Thrones is the only thing I actually saw. A similar time well uh, well i kind of lost touch and then caught back up again i actually watched that with everyone at the end but everything else i'm decades behind i've only seen like one series of breaking bad and oh i i, I think before that what was the more i don't, I, I watched i watched the first two series of twin peaks <laughs> so i'm about 20 years behind on that one i haven't seen the new one yet but um yeah, I'm I'm terrible at TV because I'm always reviewing films and things really. But I, I do I do still like I, I I love really good TV though. I say it's not that I'm not interested. It's uh, just finding the time. But I, I do I would like to get into some more. There's there's loads that I'm desperate to see. Oh, I find it useful to watch TV sometimes if uh, if later on at night I don't really have the time to watch a whole feature film, but I do still want to watch something and uh, yeah. a lot. Of- TV program is about 45, 50 minutes, so you think, well, I can just about squeeze that in before I go to bed. So yeah, I like TV. Yeah, I, I that, that's that's I'm, that is usually when I try and try and squeeze one in. The only problem I find with TV series is they're usually so addictive that you say, oh yeah, I've got time for forty-five minute episode, and then like two hours later you've train watched three of them, and it's like half past one, and it's like, oh no. But, um, it's odd, that, isn't it? Because uh, yeah. a lot of people, I, I know a lot of people who say they haven't got the attention span for a film, so yeah. that's why the TV series. But then they do binge watch, yeah. and they watch longer than the average film. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's people who moan about, oh no, it's it's like when the new Avengers came out or something. It's like, oh, it's three hours long. It's so long. It's like, well, you, <laughs> you all watch like ten hours of Game of Thrones or whatever quite happily, and it's, yeah, it's uh, crazy. I think it's probably just knowing that you've got that ghetto, isn't it? Knowing yeah. that you've 
the end of an episode and you think I could I could leave now whereas mm. like when it's a film well I mean there's nothing to stop people leaving but they, <laughs> no. they often feel like you're doing something wrong if you turn the film up halfway through and <laughs> yeah. get back to it. it's like it's like when we watched um Justin when we watched uh Rollerblade 7 we were like no we will carry on watching <laughs> it was <laughs> easily the worst film we've any of us have ever seen we're just like no we will carry on to the bitter end but, uh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, and I loved loved your follow up research. I found out there was more than one of those. Oh films. yeah, that's oh, ridiculous. Oh. And you've not been back and, and watched any of the, the sequels. Well, Luckily, they're quite hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What did you say, Justin? Didn't you say you've got that's, the second we're, one? We're not that insane. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> well, debatable. <laughs> no. that, that was uh, eighty-five minutes of our life. We're never going to get back. Oh, no. <laughs> It gives me nightmares still. Cool. Excellent. Oh, uh, yeah, Andy, what have you seen? Um, yeah, this month uh, I watched Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is the uh, uh, Marion Heller film, which had a, a bit of Oscar buzz. Uh, most of the attention was focused on the fact that it stars Melissa McCarthy and that she's in a dramatic role, uh, which she... I think she absolutely nails, but I'm I am a bit of a fan of Melissa McCarthy. I know that she she is in some terrible terrible films. In fact, I think she just won a Razzie Award for two different films for uh, the Happy Time Murders and Life of the Party. Neither of which I've seen, and neither of which I'm really rushing out to see. <laughs> but, uh, but can you ever forgive me? Uh, it, it really uh, sort of. Well, she could, she was Oscar nominated for it, uh, and it, it brought her back into the, the spotlight in that way. So I was I was really looking forward to this, and uh, I wasn't disappointed. It's not it's not like a masterpiece. It's not like the sort of film that that really sticks with you. But it's so kind of intimately done that it, it's the sort of film that when you're watching it, you feel really immersed in. Uh, it's a story of it's a, based on a true story of uh, Lee Israel, who was a kind of uh, she was a biographer who had several uh, biographies of famous people on bestseller lists throughout the seventies and eighties. But by the early nineties, uh, she'd kind of tailed off a bit. No one was interested in her work. She was working on this biography of Fanny Bryce and everyone was telling her, no one wants a biography of Fanny Bryce, no one's interested in this, this work you're doing, but she was like doggedly determined that it was important work and she was going to push on with it, but in the meantime she had to make money to support herself, so what she starts doing is uh, she finds these, let these letters from Fanny Bryce while she's researching it, it's just like correspondence, and she takes it to uh, to sell it to a, a like antique dealer and uh, they give her a, a small amount for it, but they say the content of the letter wasn't, wasn't that interesting. So she takes the other one that she found and she adds her own postscript to it, putting like a sort of witticism on the end, which immediately makes it more interesting, which immediately means she can sell it for more money. So what she then does is she, she sets up this kind of sideline of writing fake correspondence from uh, famous people like Noel Coward and Dorothy Parker and she kind of trains herself to write in the style of these uh, these famous people and then forges their signatures on the letter and she starts selling these letters and uh, and that way she manages to sort of fund her lifestyle 
she does all this with the assistance of uh, a friend she's made at the local pub called Jack Cock, who's played by Richard E. Grant. And he was the other big kind of uh, focus of, of when this film came out because he got his first Oscar nomination for this, which a lot of people uh, found surprising. Uh, and he kind of, they go together very well because Melissa McCarthy is underplaying this character. He was also very subtly written. I think this is the sort of story where, because Lee Israel is a kind of obnoxious character, you could have gone for the big belly laughs and the big like scene after scene of her being obnoxious to people. But instead, it's it's underplayed, whereas Jack Hock is a kind of flamboyant drunk. Uh, and so a lot of people uh, bought the character with Nail. Obviously, uh, mm. Richard E. Grant's probably his famous performance. But I think it's a, it's very, it's a very surface similarity. I think in this, he, playing Jack Hock, he's, uh, he's got a greater sort of self-awareness than the Widner character, and he... He has a, a sense of restraint and remorse, even though he he does have a kind of a, a strange moral compass, which is a, is something that uh, characterises a lot of the people in the film. Um, so yeah, I I thought it was it was really well done. It was really uh, really gripping. It's written uh, by Nicole Holofsen, who's uh, a really good indie director who started out in the 90s with a great little independent film called Walking and Talking, which I really love. And she has a very sort of subtle way of writing. So I think uh, she was the right person to give this story to because she doesn't, she knows it's a small story. She knows this whole thing is a two-bit operation. And uh, she, the, the screenplay is written in a way which never, never suggests that we should be uh, in suspense as to whether things are going to work out. We know she's going to get caught. We know it's going to go downhill. I don't think that's really a spoiler to say. Uh, and it's just waiting for that and seeing how, how this affects the characters and how the whole thing plays out. It's also a very significant film, I think, for Mario Heller, the director, who uh, it's her second film after Diary of a Teenage Girl, which I loved. It was a very small film again very uh i think it bombed at the box office but uh but that was that was an excellent film and i think this shows a kind of progression in terms of managing to have a kind of commercial viability without sacrificing any of the uh the things that made that first film so exciting i think she's lined up next to uh direct is it called a wonderful day in the neighborhood it's the the mr rogers bio oh, right. i don't know oh, and uh, yeah, that's that. So that, like, obviously it's Tom Hanks. It's Mr. Rogers is a big deal in America. I think that might be like a proper like first big breakout hit, providing she she like achieves the same sort of quality as she has done here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I really liked it. I mean, have, have either of you guys seen this one? I I have seen it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. I, it's yeah. It's a fascinating story as well. It kind of it's it's. It's well. Actually, I was gonna say it's almost it's almost it's hard to believe, but at the same time, I think the way it's presented, it kind of it, it, it you can kind of appreciate how it happened, and it doesn't seem yeah. stupidly far fetched. It is very yeah, it's very well written, kind of very very well performed. The only thing I kind of, I almost don't have anything wrong with it, but at the same time, I wasn't blown away by it. I think maybe because it was quite subtle and because it's um yeah. um, but. But as I say, it was a, it was a hard, hard film to to fault. But um, yeah, 
but it, it, it didn't didn't absolutely blow me away i don't know maybe i was expecting more comedy or, or whatever but um yeah but it's, it's definitely a very very solid well put together film that's sitting on my list of films i want to see because i'm a big fan of richard e grant so yeah. uh, i do want to see it because he's in it he's excellent in it as well he's uh, and he's yeah, got a, he's he's in it a lot. yes cool excellent cool well some good stuff to look out for then and speaking of stuff to look out for um i think what we're going to do next is we shall have a little look at what is coming out in july uh there's a lot of decent stuff coming out in july but what we'll do is um if we each just pick i don't know three two or three or four <laughs> i might end up picking four i get carried away um <laughs> just ones um just just ones that were interesting really and um, i'll kick things off um I'll try not to talk. Uh, there are a few, so I'll try not to say too much about each. Uh, the the first, the first on my list is uh, Swing Time, uh, which is coming out on the eighth of July by Criterion on the Criterion Collection, uh, which is the Fred and Ginger pairing, classic pairing. And I must admit, I have actually already seen that. So, but um, I haven't put together my review, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna say too much. But I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I'm quite I'm quite new to. I used to be quite anti musicals when I was young, um, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm but I'm gradually, gradually kind of beginning to appreciate some of them, and particularly the kind of um, the dance-heavy ones. Um, I, I watched, I've seen an, another couple of the Fred and Ginger films that I really enjoyed, and I think I've started to realise because I've always been a martial arts guy. I think one of the reasons I enjoy martial arts is because the kind of physical side of things it's incredible to see, and I'm starting to realise some of these early musicals are like that. So yeah, you, just because I'm not, I'm not really into dancing usually, but when you see the real pros when you when you see like I, gene, gene kelly's another one who's amazing to watch but like uh but watching fred and ginger do their thing it's it's it, yeah it's 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 just quite incredible to see really and i, I really enjoyed it so yeah that, that's that's one that years ago mm. i've seen i saw some time years ago and I, I honestly can't remember much about uh other than like Obviously, there's a now quite sort of controversial black. Yeah, I was, gonna say, I was just about to say there is one <laughs> scene that is a, yeah. <laughs> but I think there's a, it's it's. I mean, we probably shouldn't get into it too much here. But I think there was a lot of kind of debate about it was like that kind of uh, Al Jolson thing, wasn't it? Of yeah. How he he was kind of uh, revered. He had a lot of friends uh, in the in the uh, black community who really appreciated what he did. Mm. And it wasn't meant as like kind of it wasn't done in the same sort of awkward spirit as like the black and white minstrel show years mm. later. Yeah, um, it does really stand out that scene. It's it's like whoa, it just comes out of no. Well, no, actually, <laughs> there's actually one of the one of the film's most beautiful moments, and um, I, I don't want to spoil it. There's a really beautiful moment in the film. Then instantly, like um, I keep wanting to call him Bing Crosby, but yeah, but Fred Astaire turns around giddy with excitement because this beautiful thing has just happened and then suddenly starts putting uh boot polish on his face and it's like what what the hell and then suddenly it goes straight into this number and it's like oh no guys come on and um and the, the frustrating thing is though well not frustrating but it's and i, ca I obviously couldn't say redeeming because you can't really redeem something like that no. but um but the kind of weird thing is is although that is horrifically racist to in in to today's standards um, if that's the right phrase, but um, it, it, the, the dancing in that scene is really pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always quite a, a weird situation. It's like I shouldn't enjoy this, but dancing's really good. If I could just 
block your face out of shot or something. Yeah. <laughs> it might be quite good. So yeah, that's that is a bit of a, an odd point from that film. So yeah, I mean, but obviously you kind of got to separate it, separate yourself from that because of just when it came, it was bizarrely acceptable then. But how anyway, did, yeah. How did you find the the actual like the the non dancing scenes? Because the the few I've seen Swing Time and Top Hat and mm. the Gay Divorcee. And I always found with Fred and Ginger films that they, I always found they got a bit dull when when they stopped dancing. I like the dancing scenes, but yeah. I, maybe not. Maybe dull is the wrong word because they're very kind of zippy and uh, yeah. and bright. And but well, I never bought any any of it. No, I, I I didn't find that here. I think it's um, I quite enjoyed it. It's very. I mean, it's of its time, so there are some dated, definitely some as well as the kind of blackface routine there's there's some saying the sexual politics that are questionable but um but no it's as you say it is quite zippy and i i actually i quite enjoyed the the non-dancing scenes it's kind of it's just light sort of fast-paced fun really so um it, it, it works for me and it's not it's probably it's not a five-star sort of film but um but i, I enjoyed it quite a lot but yeah i'll, I'll get a, i'll get a review up um hopefully soon and to be honest, it might be up before I, re- I post the podcast, but we'll, we'll see. What <laughs> cool. Um, any case, if, I said I said I'd rush through these quickly, and obviously that didn't happen. But um, my fault. I'm but <laughs> I'll I'll try and briefly talk about the some other ones that are, that are coming out. But the um on the fifteenth of July, uh, one that I'm very excited about, and they haven't sent me a request to review, but I'm hoping they will at the last minute. But is uh, there's a box set? The BFI are releasing a box set called Off F- Flesh and Blood, uh, the cinema of um, Horikazu Koreeda. Apologies to any Japanese speakers of that pronunciation was probably totally wrong, um, but I am I'm a big fan of the director. I, I've reviewed another box set of his in the past. Um, uh, I just I mean speaking earlier about kind of subtle sort of Ozu style dramas, he's he's often been um, compared to the director. Although I find he's he's not quite as subtle as Ozu, Ozu especially in his, some of his later films, um, are, 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 are a tad more melodramatic. But it works for me. I I, I love I love 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 his films. And this is kind of more of his early work, which I haven't, um, I haven't actually seen much of it. I, I've seen his first film, Mabarossi, and that's in the set, um, but I've not seen it for a while, and I can't remember a lot about it. Uh, but then you also get Afterlife, which is one that sounds interesting that I really want to see. And Nobody Knows, which is supposed to be one of the most depressing films of all time, but it's supposed to be brilliant. And then Still Walking, which is one of his most highly regarded films, and I've not seen it, so I'm very keen to watch that. So um, I'm fingers crossed that box set will come my way. If not, I'll just... So have to fork out the however much <laughs> sixty quid over it costs to buy it, but um, yeah, that th- that one's definitely my radar. And then briefly another two that I'm interested in. There's um, a tree grows in Brooklyn from Eureka, uh, which is uh, like Azan's one of his early films. And uh, uh, I, I I've not seen loads of his films, but of the couple of uh, like Azan films that I've seen in the past, I always always like them a lot. And this is. Uh, highly regarded i think it's so i think it's supposed to be a little bit um kind of warmer and softer than some of his 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 later films but um but i don't mind that and um, so i'm very looking for very much looking forward to seeing that and the final one uh is and sorry that's eureka releasing that uh, i don't think i mentioned that on the masters of cinema label and finally i'm very much looking forward to a blonde in love um which is miles foreman's it's not his first film it's one of his early films and second runner releasing that and um, i i've uh, ever since we've started reviewing stuff for Second Run, I've kind of been discovering uh, Czechoslovakian and other, other Eastern European cinema, but particularly the Czech New Wave. 
and I've, I've, there's been one or two that I haven't quite got into, some of the more surreal ones, um, but definitely the work of Miles Foreman and, and a couple of the other uh, Czech New Wave titles I've absolutely been blown away by. I just love the style. It's kind of, it's got a kind of a, a naturalism to it, whilst also um, throwing in some kind of a, a lot of humour and sort of satire and things. And um, I've heard of Blonde in Love is, is one of his uh, better sort of early films, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. Um, yeah. Cool. That sounds cool because uh, was it? It was Maya Froman who made uh, the Fireman's Ball, wasn't yes. it? Yes, that's one of the and ones I that I see. Yeah, that. <laughs> I love that film. It's yes. so uh, fantastic, so unusual. And Black Peter is it? Is that's that's the film he did just before Blonde in Love? Um, that's another one I reviewed, and that was brilliant. Um, I've seen that. That's very, very, very good. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this one. Yeah, cool. And uh, Andy, how about you? What, what are you looking forward to? Um, well, the one that caught my eye immediately uh, is uh, on 15th of July, Eureka are releasing Hal Ashby's Coming Home. Uh, now, Hal Ashby is a director that I absolutely love. Who uh, I think he's, he's got quite a, a big cult following, but he, he rarely gets mentioned a lot. And uh, particularly in the 70s, he made some amazing films. Well, I'd, I'd probably say exclusively in the 70s because the, the films he made after that are pretty shocking. Um, he, he, so he made like Harold and Maud, which I officially is my favourite film of all time. I say officially because I was, you know, it's like when people ask what your favourite song is of all time, and you think yeah. I can't pare it down to one, but that's my my go-to answer. Always when it comes out, yeah, yeah, Harold and Maud. But uh, this this is a, a very different film, um, and it was made uh, it was a, a, in the late seventies uh, by Hal Ashby. Uh, and it was it actually got a lot of attention. It was a big Oscar film at the time, but it seems to be comparatively forgotten now. Uh, it was up for the Best Picture Oscar the same year as The Deer Hunter, and they both tackle like Vietnam. Uh, and I think in the clamour to like praise The Deer Hunter, Coming Home has been uh, sort of uh, deemed the kind of... And because it stars Jane Fonda as well, it's... It's people have pointed to her and gone, oh, you're just sort of parading your politics around in, in this film and it's too heavy-handed and it sort of got, got pushed away a bit. I actually uh, struggle with The Deer Hunter. I'm not a big fan of it, but I really like Coming Home and, and so I'm hoping that this release might sort of get it out there a bit. It's a bit more un, unusual uh, uh, approach to the whole Vietnam thing. It, it yeah. focuses... Uh, exclusively on on what I suppose you would call the home front. So the, the people who are left behind or the people who've been and come back damaged from, from Vietnam. Uh, it was sold it, to many people as a kind of romance, a sort of love triangle between uh, Jane Fonda is the kind of sort of conservative wife of uh, Bruce Stern who plays this uh, very kind of gung-ho marine who's looking forward to getting out to Vietnam. Uh, and while he's out there, she begins volunteering in this veterans hospital where she meets John Voight, uh, who, he's, he's, John Voight is brilliant in it. He won, he won the Oscar for it. It's a very good, very kind of subtle turn which, which knows when and exactly how much to amp up the emotion. And he plays a, a veteran who's who's come back, who is now uh, he's lost his legs, and so 
he's embittered about it and he's very anti-war and uh, Jane Fonda's character finds herself kind of torn between her original ideology and this this new one that she's in, encountered through a, through a new friend who, who gradually becomes her lover. Uh, and then we have Bruce Dern's character comes back from Vietnam very kind of uh, uh, traumatised by everything he's seen there. And that uh, that leads to a kind of standoff between them, which is kind of the big uh, dramatic point of the film. Uh, all th- in fact, all three of the, them were Oscar nominated and Jane Fonda won as well. Bruce Dern was the only one who didn't win, but he he gives the performance that maybe sticks with you the most. I think John Voight is the best, but Bruce Dern is, is full on like in your face. He's, whether he's at the point where he's about to go to war or when he comes back traumatised, it's really like, it's a really powerful, uh, arguably slightly overdone in places performance, but it's, it, you can't, you can't really tear your eyes away when he's on the screen. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a film that's, that's well worth discovering. A film that surprisingly for all the buzz at the time, not many people seem to have seen. So yeah, I definitely recommend that one. Cool. Um, It's a great cast. And I must admit, I've, I've not seen loads. Uh, I've only seen, I was looking at how, looking up Hal Ashby then. Is, um, I've only actually seen two of his films. I need to see more because both of the films I've seen are amazing. I've, I've seen Harold Maud and Last Detail. And both of those two for me are fantastic. So yeah. I, it's, uh, I've got Being There has been on my watch list for a while. I think I've got it on DVD somewhere. I just haven't got around to it yet. But um, that's another one that I'm quite keen to see. But yeah, I should add Camp Coming Home to the list. Um, yeah, and then on the... 22nd of July, there's a couple of releases I, I want to bag up quickly. Uh, one of them is uh, Hedvig and the Angry Inch, which is this kind of alternative musical by John Cameron Mitchell, who uh, directed it, wrote it, and he stars as Hedvig in it. Uh, and it's a, it's a long time since I've seen it, but I remember enjoying it in the same kind of way that I enjoyed the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's a very kind of, it's like a sort of midnight movie kind of uh, appeal it's got a lot of good songs and it's got a plot which maybe doesn't quite hold together i seem to remember it spirals into quite frustrating surrealism towards the end where a plot that was being quite well constructed just sort of disappears into into oddness uh but it's it's well worth seeing yeah i'd, I'd uh, I'd definitely say that that's one that I'm looking forward to seeing that's, again. That's 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 one that um I have claimed to, to review, so I uh, I will be watching that in the next few weeks. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. To hear what you what you think of that. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it before, so uh, I I'd, I'd I'd heard good things, so it's uh, uh yeah, I had to go for it. So yeah, stole it from me, I'm afraid. <laughs> As with many yeah. releases. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, that's the truth. I have to, after a light on your you know, big workload, I think there's quite a bit of crossover in what we like. Ken likes to start, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> so I have to rely on your busy schedule. Uh, one that I definitely won't be asking for, though, which comes out on the 22nd of July through Arrow Video, 16 Candles, the John Hughes film. Uh, I'm quite glad it's getting a re-release because I want more people to realise how horrible it is. <laughs> It's uh, it's really uh, John Hughes is one of those directors who I kind of grew up watching his films and uh, he's he kind of, he's one of those directors who seems to have his reputation has grown 
and yet I've kind of backed off from his films more and more as I've I've got older, so watching things like I mean, The Breakfast Club, I still I still enjoy it. It's got like a few objectionable things, but like there's very few eighties films that don't. Uh, but things like uh, Uncle Buck. The last time I saw Uncle Buck, I thought it was it was quite disturbing. <laughs> uh, but but none more so than Sixteen Candles. So it's a it's basically like a high school romance about a girl who turns sixteen. And the the boy she's hankering after, but there's a I mean I won't go into it too much because it, it's very unpleasant. But there's a, a couple of scenes in it. Well, one of the infamous things in it is there's a character called Long Duck Dong, who is an exchange student, and uh, he just gets up to some like antics which are very kind of stereotypical. I think I, I even think and don't quote me on this because it it might be my mind playing tricks, but. I think after his scenes, you hear like a kind of gong crash. God. The punctuate one. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's not good. But, but the most disturbing thing in it is this. It's a scene where I think the, the romantic hero of it, he has like a girlfriend who gets passed out drunk and he entrusts this nerd character to take her, take her home, make sure she gets home. And then... There's this, this whole scene where she wakes up the next morning and they're talking, to, and it's in, heavily implied that they had sex and she enjoyed it. And it, it's just, it, it's really, I can't believe, because when I look at the reviews for Sixteen Candles, they're really strong. They're really like, people love it. Uh, and it's, it just, it beggars belief to me when I watch it. So, yeah, I won't be, uh, I won't be asking for that one. But, uh, not to end on a negative note, on the 29th of July, Studio Canal are releasing Nicholas Rogue's Don't Look Now, which I think is it's a film that's quite heavily available and uh, already, but I think another another release of it is always going to be a good thing because it's it's a really masterpiece of, yeah. of 70s horror. I was just going to uh, say, it's coming, I think it's out on, is it cinema as well as like 4K and stuff, so it's kind of... Uh, is it? Uh, yeah, it'd be awesome seeing the cinema again. I might be wrong. Yes, cinema release, yeah. Ah, yeah, that, it, it'd definitely be well worth going to see it in cinema, I think. It's a, it's this kind of haunting tale of a, a couple who, uh, they're little, they're little, in the first scene, which is like a really indelibly disturbing scene, uh, that little girl uh, wearing this little red raincoat, she drowns while she's playing outside. Uh, and then the film then follows the couple. It's uh, uh, Donald Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. And it follows them to Venice, where he's working as an architect. And around this kind of labyrinthine streets of Venice, uh, Donald Sutherland's character starts seeing this small figure in a red coat who he thinks is his daughter. And he keeps seeing glimpses of her everywhere. Uh, it, it builds up to an ending which no one could ever predict. <laughs> you would never see it coming. Uh, and it's it's a film that I think I always think there's something kind of inherently creepy about 70s horror. There's well, not just horror, just just 70s filmmaking. It's kind of the the dirty, rough around the edges look. There's, uh, yeah, there's has, a really, it's that really kind of heavy set grain, isn't it? And it's kind of got a bit yeah. of a dark, sort of dirty sort of look to it sometimes. Yeah, and I think that that really plays into this film's strength. I think it's. 
that and the the setting. I think it's an ingenious thing to like set it in Venice. I mean, I know it's it's based on a Daphne de Maurier short story, so that that's there already. But it's the, it's the ideal setting. Venice becomes this kind of like haunted labyrinth, and you keep seeing these glimpses of, of little things out the corner of your eye, and it really. Uh, I think it's uh, Nicholas Ryag is a, a filmmaker who I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sold on that, but I, I think he's made some some really great films and some that um mm. some that I struggle with a bit more. But but Don't Look Now I think is his masterpiece, and I think it's uh it's one that yeah that especially if it's coming back to cinemas, it's one we should we should celebrate people having the opportunity to see it any yeah. any chance. Yeah, but it's, it's one I've nabbed again as usual. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, ex- expect a review of that in, in the coming month. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I think the uh, Blu-rays is like absolutely loaded with features as well. It's um, it's a uh, it's a bit bonkers, so uh, that should be good. Justin, yeah, oh, well, just something about Don't Look Now. I I, I did see it at um, I think it was a, a Dead by Dawn film festival on the big screen, and it it uh, it is a great film to see on the big screen. So if you do get a chance to see it uh, on the big screen, then definitely uh, take. Take um take yourself along uh, because it's uh, the photography is very good, but uh, Venice is uh, like a third character in it really. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, as you say, it is quite creepy, and there's that uh, weird-looking dwarf-like character running around the uh, alleyways of Venice, which is a bit freaky. But um, yeah, talking about new releases, um, I'll, I'll be brief. Uh, um, but um. I did notice, I think it's towards the end of July, uh, Powerhouse Films on their indicator label are releasing uh, a, a collection of Norman J. Warren films. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called Bloody Terror, the shocking cinema of Norman J. Warren from 1976 to 87. And in that compilation, there's Satan Slave, Prey, Terror, Inseminoid, and Bloody New Year. And it's that latter title I'm quite interested in because I haven't seen that one. I've seen all the rest, but Bloody New Year was one that was released much later, um, I think in 1987, 86. Um, so that's quite a cue I'm getting at. And also they're showing that there's some short films of his and loads and loads of other stuff. Satan Slave is probably my favourite of his early films. Although, like a lot of his films, most of the storylines are a bit basic and don't really make a huge amount of sense, some of them. But Norman J. Warren, I've met him a couple of times at oh, film wow. festivals, and he always seems like a nice chap, very down to earth. And the budgets he uh, he worked on was sort of like wouldn't uh, wouldn't fill the uh, catering budget on a, a normal film. So. Uh, so, you know, it's amazing he actually got anything out there at all, really. Um, uh, probably the most frustrating film of that set is Prey, which is basically about uh, two lesbian lovers who live in this remote uh, farmhouse and then they encounter an alien who also decides to, you know, shack up with one of them. And, um, and then it also features the longest drowning scene ever. Um I don't know. Have you seen that one, Dave? No, no, I don't think I've seen any of his films. Um, and Terror, Terror is really weird. It has a floating sword in it at one point. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, a car which gets um, sucked up into the treetops and sort of travels along uh, at tree level. And this is before CGI. <laughs> so they've basically got a massive crane 
lift this car up and have it moving across to the treetops. Awesome. Uh, which is very strange. And then Seminoid was a bit of a rip-off of Alien, but uh, is a bit rapey with aliens raping oh, yeah. um, Judy Jason, who then gives birth to these alien baby things that she uh, um, viciously protects from the other astronauts. Um, so that one's quite, quite, quite freaky. And go back to Satan's Slay, that's kind of uh, uh, something that uh, um, Dennis Wheatley might have written back in the... Uh, <laughs> 40s or 50s, um, but it does feature Michael Goh, who uh, is a favourite uh, actor of mine, um, who people might remember as the butler uh, for um, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, that's a box set that's definitely worth checking out. Cool. Um, I think um, we should have, I think Scott is reviewing that, maybe. I think. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I thought, well, there's just so much there. I just didn't know if I had time to do it. So I let someone else do it. But it'd be interesting to see what uh, what he says about it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess, I guess that's everything then. Excellent. So there's plenty to look forward to. There's there's so there's more, even more I could mention, I, to be honest. I, oh, sorry. Can I, sorry. Can I just, you got more. <laughs> just shout out something. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to plug. Uh, um, uh, a, a friend's film. Well, it's kind of a film I've been involved in as well, but not that much. But um, as you know, my business partner Andrew Diamond, uh, he's he's um, uh, been helping um, other filmmakers. And uh, one uh, film that he helps rescue is uh, uh, a sort of found footage horror film called Hashtag Follow Me. Yeah. And uh, it's just literally had uh, its um, uh, release, so it's uh, it's now out. On Prime Video, and I think it's out on a couple of uh, streaming um, services. Um, basically, it's by first-time director Han Sam Hardy, who's uh, a really good guy, um, an ex-mixed um, um, martial artist, um, and it's basically about three uh, women from the UK who uh, travel over to America. One's a, a YouTube um, a vlogger, and uh, it's a found footage sort of horror film, which uh, they've kind of, kind of come to the end of that cycle, so it's right at the tail end of that cycle. But it's actually you know, well put together, and it also kind of highlights the dangers of social media to young people, really, mm. and about stalkers and about not trusting everybody you meet on uh, social media. So, But um, it's worth, worth, worth checking out. Um, that's hashtag follow me. I thought I'd just get a little plug in there. Well, yeah, that leads me into it. I, yeah, I, I should make a plug, really, because... Uh, uh, I imagine we probably mentioned it in some of the earlier podcasts, but um, especially when when Darren was on. But uh, Darren Darren's first feature film, uh, which was formerly called Vigilante, I think if we ever talked about it before, we would have said Vigilante, uh, but it's now called uh, rebranded as Small Town Hero. But that got released uh, in May, so that is available for everyone to watch now, which uh, I I thoroughly recommend because I worked on it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah. It, it, that is it's available on i think uh most streaming uh, not um it's available as a digital download on uh amazon itunes google play microsoft all the kind of major major places you can either rent it or buy it um yeah i mean i can't review it because i worked on it so i can't comment but i thoroughly recommend everyone check it out anyway oh it's distributed by evolutionary films yeah they picked it up and 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 they are they're releasing it for us which is fantastic because um, we, we were worried for a while it kind of um we kind of lost momentum after we finished it 
uh, but thankfully they 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 loved it and uh, wanted to pick it up and they're they're releasing it for us. So yes, thank you guys. It's, uh, so it's very been very exciting couple of months. We've been plugging away. Anyone who follows me on Facebook and I thought that we'll see. I keep sharing uh, <laughs> various adverts and posts and things about Small Time Hero. So we're keen to get it out there, get everyone seeing seeing it. Uh, we're very proud of it, and hopefully it'll lead on to uh, more features in the future. Cool. Excellent. Have you got anything to plug, Andy? Um, not really, no. Uh, just just keep an eye out for the new episodes of Spoiler, which we're hoping we can start putting out in either July or August time. Excellent. I'll, I'll post it on the website as well. Cool, good stuff, good stuff. Um, and I guess also I wanted to use this kind of outro just to plug what, what is happening at the site at the moment. Um, uh, Andy's been posting, you've been posting some lists. I was going to have a look, you've got one that's not quite finished yet haven't you the um when can we expect the next tier of disney ranked ah uh, yeah i'm working on that at the moment so uh i mean if anyone's really dying to uh, to know what the top 20 is you can work it out from, <laughs> from what's left that are up at the minute but uh but they, yeah, i think there's there's some surprising choices in there uh maybe i mean people have seen that that things like fantasia and frozen were in my lower tiers <laughs> so uh so I think people might be surprised what, what comes out there. So I'll, uh, I'll try and get that up this, uh, uh, as I say, this month. There's not much of it left. <laughs> uh, early, early next month, at the very latest, I'll try and try and get tier one of my Disney reviews up. Cool. Is, yeah. uh, is Song of the South in there? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I focused. Uh, I spoke, focused on the one they like Disney have numbered it as that. Well, they call it their Disney classics. Uh, for the specifically just the animated films, so because Song of the South includes live action, uh, and because of other reasons, <laughs> it's it's not included there. <laughs> oh, well, okay. come on, sometime get a release. So <laughs> yeah, it's doubtful to get much release. I I, I did I had it on video, so I did see it a few years ago out of pure um, intrigue. And uh, what did you think? Because I I have seen it and it it. It wasn't that good. <laughs> no, it's not particularly. Ma- I can't remember a lot about it. It's only maybe it's five, six years ago when I saw it, and um, yeah, it's not particularly memorable. Yeah, and and it's one of these ones. Uh, it's offensive in in quite a. In a I don't know how to put it. Kind of a quiet way. It's not not yeah. obviously offensive until you think about actually how how it's presented, and you kind of realise, oh, actually, yeah, that's 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 pretty wrong. It's just um, the implication of yeah. happy slaves, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's you know. like, oh yeah, jolly, jolly time. Yeah, we have this. <laughs> no one seems to mind. No one seems to care. He's he's all jolly and happy being being their slave, and it's uh yeah, it's just kind of wrong. But at the same time, it's this basic sort of cheerful Disney kind of sing along. It's um it's weird. But as I say, I can't remember a lot about it. It certainly wouldn't be. Even without the racism, it would almost certainly be in tier three of no, your list. I think it's, I think Zippity Doodah is its major gift to the world. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, not that, knows, but remove it from context. And yeah, the rest of the right. film is just, yeah, a bit of nothing really. Cool. Um, trying to think what else on the site. It's kind of just business as usual, really. We've got um, plenty of reviews going up. Uh, I've been busy as always. I've got a. Uh, I've got a few that I'm going to be writing up hopefully in the next couple of days for Swing Time. And I also reviewed the, uh, well, sorry, I watched and I'm about to review the John Woo, early John Woo martial arts set from Eureka, which is good fun. So I shall get that up there. But yeah, other than that, it's just kind of business as usual. So yeah, check out the site, blueprintreview.co.uk. 
I'm sure you already do if you're listening to this, hopefully. Um, uh, great. Just a quick question, Dave. Mm -hmm. um, what, what are the stats of the site, as in how long have we been going now? And how many reviews have been posted on the site in total? Oh, I could try and find out. I mean, it, it's oh, oh, if it could just reviews. We had a lot of posts before. This might take a, a second to work out. I'm trying to think when it when it actually began. I, I want to say I think it's approaching its eighth year, but I might be wrong. Let me just. I'm in the back end of the site now. This is probably not exciting. Listening, me clicking on uh, clicking on date published. So, um, Andy, are there any releases in the cinema you're looking forward to while he's looking in the back end? Um, yeah, go, yeah, going back to the, so I watched some of the other trailers that were, were coming out. Uh, there was one that, that kind of stood out. It's a, a smaller film uh, called The Peanut Butter Falcon. Has anyone heard of this? Oh, no, not at all. It's, uh, it stars uh, Shia LaBeouf, and he's actually getting really good uh, reviews for it. Hmm. Uh, and it's about a, a young man with Down syndrome who wants to be a wrestler and runs away to try and become a wrestler. And he, he meets Shia LaBeouf's kind of drifter, uh, and uh, they go on this sort of adventure together to try and... It looks very kind of light-hearted and whimsical, and that kind of thing that, that can drift into a bit too kind of precious territory. But uh, at the minute, it seems to be getting really good reviews, and people have said it's like a kind of modern Mark Twain fable. So that, that looked really good. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm quite looking forward to seeing uh, Midsummer, which is uh, directed by Ari Aster, who did Hereditary. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's about a young couple who travelled to Sweden, of all places, uh, to visit a, like a rural Midsummer festival, a pagan-type festival. And, of course, it does look like uh, it might be uh, along the lines of uh, The Wicker Man or Dark yeah. Rattles, yeah. like that. I've heard it's uh, quite disturbing, like Hereditary. It's quite um, tough. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I liked Hereditary a lot. It's, it's a tough watch but um but it was amazingly well made um but going back to our stats i have had a look and actually the site is older than i thought it's um this is actually it's began in 2010 so we're nine years old we're approaching our 10 year anniversary which is amazing mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of reviews i don't know if this is correct uh but i think i've filtered out everything other than just and this is just film reviews not even counting the soundtrack and games According to this film reviews, we have 1,924, which is ridiculous. <laughs> um, we, we did, when we first started, though, there were a load of my old reviews that I had on my old blog, Dave's Film Reviews, UK, whatever it was. <laughs> and um, so I kind of stuck a load of those on. There weren't that many, but I don't know, maybe 40 or something. And uh, also, one of our first writers, um, Darren Camponi, he, um, he gave me like a huge pile of his old reviews as well. So I think the first hundred or so were uh, maybe just from somewhere else uh, but still 1924 that's quite just a, that surprised even me i did never realize we'd gone that far but that's that's incredible so well, well done guys all our writers thank you very much for your um uh, almost decade of support are we going to do anything special for the 10 year anniversary i think we should i'll try and figure out the exact date because i know some of these early ones it says published in like January 2010, but that's rubbish. I, um, I think we we batch published someone uh, changed the date, but um, but I had a little look and it, it still did start that year. So I'll try and figure out when it was. Um, I think I've got it down in my calendar somewhere. And yeah, I think we should definitely definitely do something special. I don't know, maybe ask all our writers their top ten films of all time and get a super mega giant podcast recorded. I don't know. We'll figure something <laughs> out. I'll have to, we'll have to plan plan it. So yeah, next year. Good, awesome. Amazing. Cool. Well, 
thanks you guys for coming on i hopefully you enjoyed yourself yeah it's yeah. great thanks for having us cool. yeah thanks for inviting us mate no worries and hopefully you'll come back for more and yeah. uh Hopefully, we get to, I was gonna say, hopefully, you can't always tell if you get any listeners, but I'll still record anyway because I enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah, so cool. So, thanks for coming, and hopefully, we'll see you again. And yeah, keep 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 your eye out for more episodes. We're hoping to keep it monthly. So, end of July, we should be talking about July's releases and looking forward to August, which again has got um, got a lot of exciting titles coming out. So, thanks for listening. <laughs>